Hey everyone, thanks for joining. Today I'm speaking with Courtney Hurd and Bridget Godet. Uh, Courtney and Bridget have just recently founded a new organization called International Association of Atheists. And from everything I've seen, it kind of looks like they're focusing more on secular rights and secular education. Hi Bridget, hi Courtney, thanks for coming on. Hi, thank you for having us. If you guys want to tell everyone a little bit about yourselves and you know, start talking about IAA and we can go from there. Okay. Go ahead, Courtney. I was going to say you go first. <laughs> um, well, you guys know me as Godless Mom, um, the blogger. And I probably, I think I've probably mentioned this on the last time I was on with you. But um, doing that made me realize that more needs to be done than just shout about atheism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that there's people in trouble out there. And so that has driven me to find some place and I've wiggled into a few little places and they didn't really fit for me. Um, and then finally met Bridget and we have the same vision and we just want to help people. We don't want to be like well known, like it's got nothing to do with it. Yeah. I know that drives a lot of other people who are involved in nonprofits is they, they want to kind of make a name for themselves. But for us, it's more about we want to help people because it's very, very frustrating to see people who are in danger in other parts of the world for just not believing. And it's, it, I know it's made me feel extremely helpless when I do my blog and I get those messages from people saying that they're in danger, they're on the run, all that stuff. So um, it's, it's a way for me to feel less helpless, I guess. Um, despite the fact that right now it's so frustrating thanks uh, to COVID-19 well, and everything, we seem to not be able to get anything going, but, um, you know, patience. Yeah. Bridget. <laughs> so most of you probably don't know me as well. So I'll give, um, a little bit of background for me and then how I got to, you know, where I am. Um, I was raised in a cult uh, that you might know as Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, and I left when I was about 22. I was disowned by my family. Um, didn't talk to my brother until just recently. It had been about 20 years. Um, but I think just that drive as a Jehovah's Witness trying to convert people when I realized I was an atheist, I kind of had the same drive and I went out there and I was state director for American Atheist and I, you know, I've done a lot in the movement, mostly behind the scenes. But then um, in recent years, uh, my best friend, she has lived in, she moved from, we met in Florida, she moved to Bangladesh, Rwanda, different places like that. And I don't know if you remember when all those secular bloggers got killed in Bangladesh. Yep. That's when I started realizing, well, we need to start looking internationally. You know, I, as a black woman in the United States, that's like the highest um, religiosity group. Mm -hmm. And even now, I don't get like a whole bunch of, you know, negativity when I tell people I'm an atheist. But, you know, over there, you know, in other countries, you get killed for saying that. So that's what got me interested in kind of the international aspect of it. Um, also, I have a degree in nonprofit management. So um, that has really 
help with kind of my perspective as far as a lot of nonprofits and how they're run and has given me a lot of success. And then meeting Courtney, it was like (laughs) my Canadian white twin. Like, (laughs) (laughs) ideas. Because like like she said, it's not about self-promotion. It's about helping people. That's, I mean, we've already raised money for people, you know, but we want to get them out of danger. I'm just super excited about that. And we weren't planning on a pandemic, so things haven't gone quite like we wanted to, but yeah. Yeah. I've been married for 20 years. I have three-year-old twins and I like scary movies. How's that? (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Okay. I I just, I just got to ask because so before you left the Jehovah's Witnesses, because I'm still not 100% sure on this. So were you part of that? Like, do you know if you're part of that elect, like the 144,000 or is that like an unknown? Like, so like if you, let's say you had known you were part of that 144,000, would you have stayed in or like, like, how does that work? I'm not sure. Like, well, you know, I never thought I was the, what I've been told from other people is that you figure it out. Like the moment you get baptized, cause they don't baptize. So you go under the water and you come up and that's, if you know, if you're part of the 144,000 that are going to heaven. So, I mean, I'll tell you, even though I believed all the dogma, I never felt like that. You know how people say, oh, I have this relationship with Jesus. I never felt that. Praying always felt like I was talking to myself. Um, I never, but yeah, I, yeah, people, I wonder what it feels like because I've actually known people that have left and come back and still think they're the ones going to heaven. I'm like, wait a second, you left because you were fornicating. I'm pretty sure you're not going <laughs> to. The one to go to heaven, <laughs> so it's it's all weird. It doesn't make sense. So. No, because I've spoken to a couple of their ex-Jehovah's Witnesses, um, and then like if I don't know if you read uh, Megan Phelps Roper's book or if you you know heard her talk or anything about the Westboro Baptist Church, they bring up the concept of the elect as well. And I mean, Calvinists have that right, and I think mm-hmm. I think the way uh, Megan described it in her book and the way the Calvinists say it is. No one knows if you're elect or if you're not. You should act as if you are, though, because even mm-hmm. if you're not, you know, you're always consumed by total depravity, and you have to, at least if you act like you're elect, you might resist the sin, right? I don't know. It's something along those lines. So I wasn't sure what the Jehovah's Witnesses. Anyway, no, yeah. No, and the crazy thing is, is they've been around so long. More than 144,000 people, if you consider <laughs> the world, have yeah. thought they were. I'm like. It's been a hundred years, and there's always they count at every uh, every year how many people claim that they're yeah. of the anointed. Yeah. And if you add it all up over all these years, there's more than 144,000. So, um, hey, yeah, I, when, I, when I first heard that, all I could think of was like, okay, that's like multi level marketing for religion. You, you go and convert more people so there's more at the bottom so you've got like you raise your level up or whatever anyways um so back to your organization because like i know you guys only just started it but i think like one of the first things you did was working with a school in kenya right um actually it was a school in uganda, uganda. and that was work that we did with aai um we raised money for that school but now that we are on our own doing um work for starting our own organization um, we intend to continue to work for the humanist schools in Uganda. 
And actually, yesterday we were just discussing some um, potential of being able to get them some supply pandemic supplies like hand sanitizer and stuff like that. But we've been like we've been hitting a lot of snags. Like one of the biggest snags that we've hit is just opening a bank account is impossible um, <laughs> in this pandemic because you have to be there in person. Yeah, and, I, I, and- we're me and our third co- co-founder Gail. We're Canadian, and so we would have to cross the border yeah. to go into a bank there to verify our identity and everything like that, and to sign. And you know, we can't cross the border right now. So, um, like, I don't know if this this could help or not, but there's a thing called um, if you look up a website called Support a Teacher. I think it's supportateacher.org, and there's a thing on there that. Uh, um, she's created and it says uh, her name's she's a teacher out of Texas uh, her name's Courtney Jones and she created this thing called donors choose and I know it's there's teachers across the US and some in Canada and I think there might be some in Europe that set up a project or they put up an Amazon wish list and people buy it for teachers like I've gone on and or if you do like check out this hashtag called clear the lists like I've mm-hmm. done it a few times where I've bought stuff off for teachers and things like that um, and then it's shipped directly from Amazon or whatever you know, wherever you, you're buying that from and it's shipped directly to wherever it's going. So you don't see the money. Uh, they don't see the money. They just get the end product, right? Yeah. Um, like, I don't know, maybe take a look at that. If, if, if that, I mean, yeah. I, I, I understand for now that I'd be mean, like, it's just a stopgap measure. Maybe. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know if Amazon, like, I don't know if there's a company that, would have a wish would be deliverable to some of these schools. Some of these schools are pretty remote in, in Uganda yeah. too, and they're in dangerous areas. No, no, so I, I, I get that. But I mean, like, yeah. if there is, if there is someone who delivers out there and you could put that on their yeah, list. Yeah, we actually find one company in Uganda that's <laughs> delivering hand sanitizers, yeah. supposedly. Yeah. So <laughs> don't know. But okay. So like when you guys are working in Uganda, do you, um, because I mean, I I know they're not there much anymore. They're they're more in Congo. With, you had like a Lord's Resistance Army. Um, then you had uh, I'm trying to think. There was another. They were an offshoot of the Lord's Resistance Army, but then they became even more like fundamentalist. I think they just lit a church on fire a couple of years ago um, with the with the parishioners inside. You know, because they uh-huh. weren't Christian enough or something. Um, so, like, do you? When you speak to schools out there, do you hear about stuff like that? Do you hear about like the resistance they get from the community? From because I mean Uganda, I mean Africa, pretty much is religious one way or the other, be it Islam or Christianity. Um, we haven't heard about like um, people resisting the schools per se. I think that overall, it appears from my perspective, which is tiny. <laughs> Uh, it appears as though it's like a welcome addition to the community because they don't have a whole lot of schooling options. But um, the there have been stories like of some of them getting caught in like the crossfire of different conflicts and stuff like that. And we have heard some some pretty harrowing stories. Um, I can't recall them off. Like exactly what happened. Do you remember that story that Gail told us, Bridget, about? I don't. And and the only thing I can think of is like I remember that there was one point where they had the students outside saying, you know, speaking for science education, and they weren't getting like 
negativity about it, even though the kids aren't seeing their, you know, little um, placards and stuff. So I think for right now, they're doing okay, but, you know, it's kind of scary. It's just one of those parts of the world where, you know, and that's why we want people in each <laughs> country or each yeah. continent. And we want somebody on our board. Like I said, my best friend lives in Rwanda. And I would like her to be on our board because she's more on the ground. She knows the culture, you know. And we also had someone tell us, you know, about um, we were thinking about having like billboards or different things. And they're like, well, you have to think about people that are illiterate. I mean, like just like stuff we, you know, I've been to Africa, but I don't know the culture as well as I need to. And so it's important to have somebody on the ground that can, you know, educate us so we don't go in there you know, thinking we know we're doing and put somebody in danger. So we talked to the the headmaster and, you know, I'm sure he would let us know if something we were doing was negative. He seems pretty well supported by the community too, like when he posts pictures and stuff. But it's it's important to note that the kids in these schools, like the, I'd say like probably 98% of them, they come in religious. And I don't think that, like the humanist school, I don't think is viewed as anti-religion in any way i think that because he accepts kids that are religious and stuff like that um that people just see it as another school and i don't think that in that society that there's such a, a divide between science and religion i think they're excited to learn about science for the most part like like the parents are happy to have their kids learning about science despite the fact that they're religious and stuff um which is similar here in Canada, right? Like we, we don't have that huge divide between science and religion. There's a lot of religious people out here that are happy to give their kids a full science education, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that's more what it's like there. And they don't really get a lot of pushback because they're not pushing the whole atheism thing or the anti-religion thing. It's just humanism and, you know, science education and stuff. Okay, and it's good. a place to send your kids to school. <laughs> no, no, I mean, okay. Aren't don't orphans also live there? So yeah. people also support it because it's not just a school; it's a place for kids. You know, their parents have died of HIV or or actually AIDS. Um, so that's probably another reason why they get support is you know they're taking care of the kids too, not just the their education but their physical well being. But when you mentioned Canada, like when I lived up north, that was one issue. And it wasn't so much the religion thing, because religion's big up in Inuit communities, or at least the ones I was in. Um, like the community I lived in was 2,500 people, and there were four churches. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah. But one of the things was the kids got a really mixed message from what I saw. And it was, I mean, and I get some of this, right? It was go to school, learn, but then at the same time, pull them out for 10 days to go hunting. You know, uh, getting blowback for coming down to like Montreal or Quebec or you know, other parts of Canada to go to university. Like, oh, you're better than us, right? Especially in rural communities. I mean, I, I don't want to generalize, but like from what I've seen from everywhere I've traveled and you know, like places I've worked and stuff, it's, you know, they want to hold on to those traditions and there is some of that thing or, oh, you're leaving us, you're, 
kind of betraying us. Like I was always wondering if there's stuff like that, or is that just they just more want to get their kids educated, and they, you know, it's a maybe it's even a meal for their kids, right? Yeah, they do get fed and clothed. Okay. I mean, maybe that's something we can look into is kind of maybe interview the parents. I hadn't actually thought about it from that perspective, even though I grew up like that. It was like, you know, you go to school because you have to, but then you forget all that stuff and believe that the earth is still 6,000 years old. And don't you dare go to college. Um so I don't know. Yeah, that it could be interesting. Like the parents just supported because they are getting fed and they get, I think they get t-shirts and, and stuff like that. And I don't know if all the teachers are atheists or humanists either. You know, important. I know that it's a mi- it's a mix, and they're volu- the volunteers are unreliable as. Um, you know, we've experienced ourselves, <laughs> but they, they, um, the other thing that I think comes into play is like here in Canada, where the standard of living is a lot higher, you know, you have people who have a lot of idle time to sit around and think about, you know, how evil the atheists are and stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> but in, you know, in a place like Uganda where you're, you know, you're struggling just to make ends meet. Um, not that all of them are. I'm sure there's some that aren't. But where it's just a different standard of living and there's other things that you have to worry about that are a little bit more pressing. I think that it's like if somebody comes along and says, do you want to go to a free school? We'll give your kids a uniform. They can have breakfast and lunch there every day. You're going to jump on it, right? Because that's going to solve a lot of your problems. And I don't think you're going to look at what their philosophies are. I think that's probably it's probably working for for religious schools as well right um in most developing countries when you offer a family that's struggling a place like that they're going to just say yes with without regard to like the the different philosophies that are being pushed on kids not that humanism is pushed on them but you know the the science education is and i don't have a problem with that (laughs) and the cool thing is i mean that that goes that meshes so well with what we want to do at IAA, you know, promote secular education, science education. And I believe the headmaster said, you know, they come in Christian, but they often leave atheists because, you know, of the proper education they're getting. So you don't have to be anti-theist. You don't have to be anti-Christian or whatever, as long as you're supporting, you know, like I said, humanism, secular education, science education. So if the kids are leaving there, you know, at least considering themselves humanist if not atheist, then I mean, of course, we want to support that. There is a place for things like when you know, like the street epistemology and all that stuff. There is a place for that. That's never yeah. been my thing. Like, whatever. Like, I'll talk about it. I'll you know, I'll I'll have arguments on Twitter. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, like, if you teach them. And again, it shouldn't be indoctrination. It should be like, here's science and not here's science as a way of fact. Here's not science as a bunch of facts. Here's science as a way of thinking. <clears throat> yeah. You know, here's enlightenment values. Here's what these are. And if you can compare them, you give them the choice. Do you want freedom or do you want to be, you know, like these are these rules, like which ones do you like better? Most people will choose, you know, yeah, give me the freedom, right? I mean, and you gotta live the the ones who want to choose the 
the orthodoxy, you have to give them the freedom to choose it. But I mean, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's it, I guess it's a reverse of the Je, the Jesuits saying there, like, give me the boy at twelve, and I'll give you the man at uh, eighteen or something. You know, give, yeah. you know, give me the kid, and I'll I'll, I'll, I'll spit him out a humanist when he by the time he graduates. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, you just have to teach them the basic things, right? You just have to teach them. Yeah critical plot yeah. that's it and you just teach them how to think and you you give them a choice one of the things um that i believe that joe's witnesses took from me was that ability to think critically i mean for a long time I, i'd like to think i have it now but um <laughs> that, and i hadn't realized that that was kind of i didn't suffer like any kind of like physical abuse or anything like that as a you know being a theist but i did not think critically i was told what to think and that's it and so i i can one of the reasons why i've made a big deal with courtney about i'm like i don't want anti-theistic stuff all over our social media is because i came from a very religious background and that stuff just made me grip on harder when people made fun of those witnesses i'm like see we're being persecuted you know, this is exactly what the Bible predicted. So I'm just, I mean, it's fine to, okay, we all joke and yeah. stuff like that. It's fine to be, you can be critical of religion. I just don't like this, like, hate or, like, calling people stupid and stuff like that. So we're, we're, we're atheists, but we're running this organization with kind of, like, you know, humanist values, not anti-theistic values per se. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's also, it's important to note that there's a lot of organizations out there that are doing that already, and um, they, you know, like you said, there's a, there's a place for the street epistemology, and there's a place for, like, even in my blog, I do that, I, I'm critical of religion on my blog, and I make fun of it, and all that stuff, and, and but that's more of a creative outlet, and I've, I've always, you used to watch my podcast, mm-hmm. you know that I've always stood up for you know, treating religious people just like you would an atheist. Like, I don't yeah. think we need to be mean or rude to them or call them stupid or anything like that. Um, and that, those are my values. And so I'm really, I'm glad that I connected with Bridget because she has the same values and, and I don't want to go in that direction. Like, like I said, there's a lot of other organizations that are take, taking that stance and there's a place for it and they do it well. And so there's no need for us to do it. We need, what we need in this community is, is we need to recognize the fact that there's a crisis going on for atheists in a lot of developing countries and we need to step up and help them. We need to put our money where our mouth is and we need to, you know, atheists love to talk about how, um, they love to tackle the morality argument, and mm. and this is an opportunity to prove that we can be just as good as religious people, if not better. And that, you know, it's not really in my mind. I don't really think that's being accomplished by you know going to conventions and having talks and doing book tours and all that stuff. That's more about you know promoting yourself, and that's not again what we're about we want to help people we don't care if we get the recognition for it we don't even need our names to be on it i just i want to feel less frustrated when people email me or message me and say i'm in danger and i need help and that is literally the bottom line and i think that part of that is education secular education 
will lead to a new generation of critical thinkers. And that crisis is going to end naturally um, as that generation starts to grow up, as a more critical thinking generation starts to grow up. So... That's yeah. why education is really important to us. Okay, I mean, you get the, you know, you, you hear it all the time and you hear people say it over and over and over again, fight bad ideas with good ideas. It's become this mantra. But what you're doing with the schools there, like, granted, you're supporting the schools, you're not teaching, but like you're helping that, you're helping good ideas spread. Um, there's another organization, I don't know if you've heard of them, uh, Ideas Beyond Borders. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what they do is they translate books on science and philosophy mm-hmm. into Arabic, Farsi, and uh, Kurdish, and they're available for free online. Now they're they're also working with. I don't want to give a number because I could probably get it wrong, but I think it's like ten universities in Iraq, and they're also started working with schools. Like they've translated uh, some children's books as well. There's and they translated uh, Annika Harris's books, um, and so like they've. Um, and that's exactly what they're doing, right? They are spreading good ideas. They're not like they're not doing anything else. They're not they're not proselytizing. They're not going out be an atheist. They're not. They're, they don't even talk about religion. This is this here's it's here for free. Take it if you want. And that's it. Like I remember, um, it was right after the plane got shot down in Iran, um, and there was protests going on all over. There was also protests in Iraq. One of their tents got burned, but then they were still going out handing out they were giving out copies of uh steven pinker's book enlightenment now so i mean like yeah it's it's like what you're doing what those schools are doing what people like ideas beyond borders are doing i think that's more important like i i brought this point up with a couple of people and i'm it it bugs me like you take someone like rafe badawi everyone you know i shouldn't say everyone but like he's known because he got flogged and he got put in prison but there are people in the Middle East right now who are not in prison, who are speaking up. You know, and there's people across Africa as well. And like I, I, I know, you know, the the whole, you know, reform Muslim, ex-Muslim thing better than the Christian stuff. But and they're speaking up, but they don't get the attention. Like it's things like that. Like so, you know, what you guys are doing, like kind of it, it, it goes along with all of this stuff. And it's you know, hope you guys can keep going. Well, and you know, along with what you're saying, one of the things we want to do is when those people speak out and get arrested for you know yeah. blas- breaking blasphemy laws, that's one of our core um, things too that we want to work on is providing legal aid for these people. You know, if they're they're on the ground doing these things, and you know, not only are they putting their lives in jeopardy, their attorneys, things like that. So that's another way that we want to help atheists. I mean, that's our thing is we're not just trying to, I mean, the school is is huge for us, but also, um, you know, supporting people that are, you know, getting death threats or whatever because of these, um, because they're speaking out. Um, I don't know, Courtney, do you want to go into some of our other kind of ideas or programs that we wanted to do, but that's definitely one is have a legal aid fund. Um, yeah, along those lines was also the um, <clears throat> the um, secular underground network. So every single outspoken atheist out there has had a message from somebody at some point in time saying, help me, I'm in trouble, right? Yeah. 
And so all the organizations across the board, every single atheist organization or humanist organization gets those messages too. And they all, you know, most of these organizations have a group of people who they're trying to help or who they're in contact with and just trying to give moral support to because it's so, like, it's such a complicated issue to get people to safety in that situation. It's so complicated because every case is different and you're dealing with immigration. Now we're dealing with a pandemic. It's like, it is just, it, it is an absolute logistical nightmare to deal with people who are in trouble um, and need to, to get out basically. And so one of the things that we wanted to do was connect all these organizations so that, because for instance, like we'll get, we'll get a message from somebody and we'll start talking to him about his situation and what he's going through and what he needs. And we'll start to get like little pieces of the puzzle and we'll realize that he's already talked to, um, the um, CFI or he's talked to, you know, 10 other organizations and they've all done their own vetting and they've all interviewed him and they've all looked into his immigration. So instead of each of us doing it all over again, every time he contacts someone new, we are all connected. And this is, we have a plan. Um, It's going to require money, (laughs) which requires a bank account. Thank you, COVID-19. But, um, (laughs) We have a plan to to make a centralized kind of hub so we can all work on this together. So if somebody comes to one of us and we start vetting him, all that information can go into this hub and and we can all access it. The biggest hurdle, of course, is the um, encryption because this is this is sensitive information. And um, but that's that's one of the things that we really want to work on is being able to identify what one organization is really, really good at, like maybe the CFI has a leg up on immigration because they have immigration lawyers volunteering for them or something like that. Um, And maybe we're better at doing the fundraising for getting them from point A to point B. Um, So we would have, we would identify what our strengths are and work together to help these people so we can pool our resources and maybe actually rescue somebody at some point. You know what I mean? Um, so that's one of the things that we want to work on. And I actually was talking to Yasmin. She called me and, and we talked about this for a while and she's really interested in it. I've talked to Melissa over at um, Secular Rescue and she's really interested in that. So these are the things that, that we really want to work on. But um, very, very, it's so frustrating not to be able to work on it. Okay, the... I only know a bit of this, and just because um, it was myself and five other people, and we sponsored someone who was going to become a refugee to Canada, and she had been stuck in Turkey, and she'd escaped from Yemen. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. for the lack of a check mark in one box, it all got rejected. Yeah. All right. I mean, it's like it's it's a little, and it, it was like not it wasn't something like okay is. It wasn't like okay identity or anything like that. It was it was it was like a very non consequential thing. And but you know, no, for the lack of that, and it's just, you know the bureaucracy and everything that goes along with that is so annoying. It's just, yes. Oh. It and is. It, <laughs> at, at some points, like I mean, okay, 
again, I didn't do much of it. I filled out a few forms, sent in some stuff. There was someone handling this, right? But they almost make it like, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> like, why should I bother helping this person out? It's like, you know, taking too much. It's like, I understand yeah. vetting. I understand security, all that. I mean, like, like I said, you know, like I've worked in war zones. I, I get that. But sometimes you need a little bit of common sense. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. And, and we want and we recognize our strengths and we hope that other organizations can do that, too. And maybe we can streamline it. You know, we do this, you do this, you do this in this order, and then it gets done quicker of course i mean this these were all of our dreams before a pandemic so um you know what uh, who knows what's going to happen now but yeah we want people that like i like uh courtney said it's called the secular underground network we're also going to have to have people in other countries in these countries where you know if somebody's an immediate threat they got to get to you know a safe house you know they need to get and then we got I mean it's just and we have a lot to learn that is one thing that um, this has given us this time is to do a lot of research we have to ourselves a lot of stuff and we need to find people that know what they're doing because we you don't always know what you don't know but we I feel like we do, we're pretty good at that <laughs> so we're finding people that know what they're doing we're not going to just get a bunch of people like famous people and think that that's gonna yeah. <laughs> help yeah. you know but i mean somebody i'll give you one data point and again this is one data point i'm doing a lot of extrapolation from this but i think the middle east uh i think there's a lot of good signs and I mean, okay this is one out of many but that organization ideas beyond borders when they first started up the translation thing, they were looking for translators in the region. So they, when they put out the first call, in the first day they got 15,000 people in Iraq to join up to translate science and philosophy books in English, wow. even knowing the kind of danger they could put themselves in. So, I mean, okay, I'm not saying, I, I'm not, I don't want to deny any of the dangers and it's like, it's horrible down there, okay, like, you know, but I think there is little points like that where there is a lot of pushback where people are looking for something different hopefully once this thing all calms down you can start working on this um, but i think you'll be pleasantly surprised in some regions where you'll be able to find a lot more help than you thought mm -hmm. yeah. that's good to hear <laughs> yeah um okay speaking of the pandemic because i know you guys were doing some live streams and stuff and you had people coming on and i think you had uh janice selby on a, a couple times as well to like help people oh, cope well, with the pandemic are you still doing that or are you still like you're talking about two different things actually okay. one was called um humanitarian hangouts and that was just small groups that had uh that were led by a therapist that were not counseling groups or anything but it was just a group for like atheists that were kind of uh, you know, they're isolated. We had one guy that was, he hadn't come out to his parents as being gay or atheist, and he was stuck in the house with them, and he just needed somebody to talk to. Yeah, they were Pentecostal. Um, so it, I hope that we can eventually do some more of those, but we're also going to start live streaming on Friday nights. Different kind of feel to it. Um, just letting people get to know me and Courtney and Gail ask questions about the organization. Um, 
you know, we're all kind of, this is worldwide. We've been brought together in a sense by this COVID-19. And I think just letting people see the real us and still talk about the organization is going to help. You know, we're, we have suspended um, asking people for funds because we want to, you know, support people that are, you know, fighting the fight against COVID-19, but we still want them to know that we're working on things. You know, we're not just sitting back, you know, doing nothing. So it just kind of gives, it'll give people the chance to kind of talk to us and us talk to each other and you can watch us talk to each other. (laughs) Well, it was, it, it, I came up with the idea when I was watching, I I told Bridget this too. I told her all about Strombo, you know, Strombo. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, you know Canada's boyfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, okay. I, 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 yeah, the, the name Strombo struck me for it because like I haven't watched that. Like he hasn't been on in a long time, so. Yeah. yeah. Well, he he does the live streams on Facebook, and it was a couple a couple weeks ago, I think, on a Friday night or something like that. And my husband and I just I noticed that he went live, <clears throat> that Strombo went live. And so I loaded it up on my phone, and my husband and I just laid in bed for like two hours watching Strombo play '90s music, and it was like, it was like going back to the days of much music when he was he was a VJ, right? Yeah. It was so just relaxing. It was so what I needed in that moment, and I think just connecting with people and seeing their faces and hearing their voices can help, um, and. Uh, yeah, that's really what the motivation is. Yeah. It's just a distraction to, you know, yeah. get to know people, get to know, help them get to know us as well. And and not be super like, you know, we're not going to be talking about IA the whole time. Because I guarantee my, like I said, I have three-year-old twins. They will want to be involved. <laughs> um, so, you know, just letting people see like, oh my God, I'm going to do the same thing. You know, there's people are starting this international organization but at the same time you know their three-year-old is climbing on her head and you know <laughs> Courtney's dog is barking loud and, and and I think some people feel helpless and maybe this can let them see that hey you know these two or three hopefully Gail will be on there um are doing things and maybe I can help them out you know so just it's it's gonna be chill and but I still wanna do the hangouts that are more, you know, where people can kinda of cry and get their yeah. feelings up amongst people that you know, in a you know, fairly safe, you know, small group. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's I, I, not something I've seen anybody else doing. Actually I was yeah. supposed to say I've seen some stuff coming up with like um uh ex Muslims and reform Muslims because Ramadan's coming up. And so, if they're you know, if they're not terribly religious and they don't fast, but they have to pretend because they're around their family and they're stuck at home, or if they're ex and they have to yep. pretend because and they're so they're, I've seen a few like uh, organizations that are doing hangouts for things like that. Um, yeah, there's one going on tomorrow with a couple of friends of mine out of the UK, and they're doing, but they're actually like, oh, whatever, yeah, we're just uh, gonna hang out and just eat food. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, uh, okay, so with with the whole pandemic thing going on, I just like in the schools in Uganda. I mean, I, I know you're only working with one, but have you heard anything like 
are they the kids at home or are they still going to school? Like, is there, if they're at home, how are they learning or, you know, is there anything going on? Like, is there like a, if they are learning from home, is there initiative to like get them some sort of tablet or something or is there anything like that or? They are um, not going to school right now, but the schools that we've worked with have their orphanages as well. So there's still some kids that are like on campus Mm -hmm. that have to be taken care of. And um, I see that Robert Buambali, I have trouble with his last name. He, uh, he's the one who runs the Cassisi Humanist School. He's been doing a lot of like upkeep and stuff like that. I don't think there's any effort to, to do long distance learning just because of like the inconsistency of everything there. And the fact that they just, there's no access to technology or even, you know, in some places books. Right. So, um, so there's no, I don't think there's any effort to do the long distance learning, but I do know that this, the kids who, who come in for the day are not coming in right now. Um, I don't even know what the numbers are like in Uganda. I haven't looked at that. No, I, I don't think there was a lot coming out of Africa, but that was the last time I heard anything about that was like about a month ago or so. So I, I, yeah. I don't know. It's made me wonder if this is um, seasonal, you know? Like, Um, when you look at, like, all the places that have been hardest hit, they're in winter. It was winter when this all started. And, like, Australia doesn't have very many cases. New Zealand doesn't have very many cases, and they're just coming out of summer. So I'm wondering if they'll... There was something something yesterday, again, it's, uh, like, you know, there's so much stuff that comes out... uh, I didn't read much of it. I just read the first little bit and I was just like, okay, whatever it sounded interesting, but it wasn't interesting enough. It was like something like it was more sunlight. No, but it was more sunlight exposure um, to sunlight than it was heat. That was helping. I I don't know, but like, I, again, like I said, I, I didn't read it. Um, there's just too much, you know, uh, I, I'd rather read something like by Dr. Mercola telling you to sniff peroxide. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, my mom loves that man. Oh God. But did you see that? Like it was maybe, I don't know, three or four weeks ago, I want to say he was putting it out there. Like it was, it was to help as a preventative and to help you, uh, help you defend yourself against COVID sniff peroxide. Jesus. Okay. No, my mom is bad. Okay. My mother is bad. When I, now she's going to watch or listen to this one. She, there was, she had some kind of a scratch. Oh, I think it was my dog. <laughs> her nails were too long. Scratched her on the arm. And, and so she put, what the hell did she put on it? Oh, she put, she put coconut oil on her arm, but she did it after she fed her dog raw chicken. And the dog came over and started licking the coconut oil off of the scratch because he put puts coconut oil on, on a cut but anyways he's licking it off of her cut and of course the cut gets infected right and so instead of going to the health center that's right across the street from her house <laughs> she that's free because we're in canada 
she decides that she's going to go on the internet and figure out how to treat this. So, of course, essential oils. It was like myrrh or, or one, oh. of the, one of the frankincense or myrrh or something like that. It was biblical. Anyway, <laughs> she, put that, she, she put that on her, her the infection and gave herself a chemical burn. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, okay, like, I don't want to spend too much time talking with this guy, but, I mean, he is, he's harmful because, whatever, say whatever you want about David Avocado Wolf, but this, like, I mean, Mercola is like, oh, yeah, I'm a doctor, this and that. I mean, I remember one point he was selling tanning beds to help you against skin cancer. Yeah. <laughs> like, pardon? Okay, guys, I don't even want to hear about it. Um, <laughs> have you heard of Donald Trump? That's uh, who we have giving out medical advice. So, uh, like, you talk about your little people and doing this or that, but we have a president telling people the most ridiculous stuff ever. So. Oh, yeah. but okay, but here you know, uh, I was speaking to someone about this, and it's right now in the states, it's the worst. But in Western liberal democracies, we have an issue right now whatever at the very start when this started happening and trump's idea to ban only immigration from china was silly but if you looked at the countries that actually did well right at the very start like singapore taiwan hong kong first thing they did was cut down all travel now granted there wasn't anything in the u.s at that point really but if you wanted to get ahead of this thing if you wanted to give yourself time to prepare and whatever and granted, this is all hindsight, and you know I can you know Monday morning quarterback and all that BS, right? But but as soon as he said something, you had the other side saying, "Oh no," because it was Trump that said it. They didn't like it, right? And I'm not saying Trump was giving great advice. I'm not even saying that his immigration thing was done out of like any kind of knowledge, right? Okay, <laughs> no. I, 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 okay, no, but but like if there was, if there had been some sort of thing where you know he had listened to experts and there had been a cohesive plan, right? It would have been attacked just because it was Trump. And then, you know, at what, so when he got a little serious at the start, they were like, Oh, go to Chinatown, enjoy yourself at the Chinese new year, you know, blah, 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 like all that. Right. And that was coming from the other side. So we've got that issue in the States, I think is far worse than anywhere else in the West where it's, if one side says one thing, the other side automatically says the opposite. You know, like, like if Trump says the sun sets in the West, there's going to be like Pelosi's going to go check. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's 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 that bad. Like, yeah, it is. You know, it's so divisive, <laughs> yeah. and and you know, it's it's like that a lot in Canada too. And like in the beginning with Trudeau, um, I. I personally thought he should have shut things down a lot sooner than he did. And it was driving me crazy. And like, I never, I wasn't a, like, I wasn't a Trudeau supporter before, but I didn't like hate the guy, but now he drives me crazy. Like he drives me fucking crazy. When I listen to his <laughs> talks every morning, he talks to the country every morning. It's like, it's like he's trying to deliver the perfect monologue in a play, right? Like it's he's acting. He's a drama teacher. Okay, right yeah. now, right now I feel like Palpatine. It's like let the hate flow through you. <laughs> okay, I, I, I have not I made. Okay, that, I, that, 
eight-year-old. Okay, Sorry. I have, I have not made my disdain for Trudeau secret, and I, and I, the, my, my biggest thing with him is he he glommed on to that woke nonsense, and he's brought it into our government. But okay, yes, I agree that he should have acted sooner, and there was some of this thing like, you know, oh, calling it the Chinese virus is racist, whatever. Stop spending time on that bullshit, right? Um, but once they did started acting, like. They were doing okay. I'm not saying they were doing fantastic or whatever. They were doing all right. And now he's coming back into the waffling and the there's no devi- there's no decision making. There's no you know yeah. where we're, it's all oh, we're gonna have discussion. Like how many discussions do you need? Like you know? oh god, I'm trying to listen to him answer questions But I mean, at the same time, I understand that he doesn't have you know because this is a complicated situation yeah. for anybody, let alone the leader of a country. But, you know, it's just, like, just say that. Just say, we don't know. We don't have the answer for you right now. Like, it doesn't, you don't have to, like, I don't know if you were watching yesterday, yesterday but yesterday they were talking about the CERB, the, yeah. the Canadian Emergency Response Benefit. And, like, every second caller was saying, why don't you make this universal? Why don't you make this universal? And he'd go into his, yeah. well, we... We've opened it up for people who are in most need, and now we're tackling the students. And then he wouldn't answer the question. And then someone else would call in and be like, why aren't you making this universal? Well, we've opened it up for the students. <laughs> it's just driving me crazy. Like, just say, we're not making it universal. Yeah. Go. You yeah. don't want to deal with it, Canadians. Exactly. <laughs> okay, but but Bridget, I don't know if you saw this. I'll, I'll send you the link, but there's this guy. He's a comedian, and he's out of New York. And you did this five-minute rant about that $1,200 stimulus check you guys got. It's hilarious. Yeah. Like, it's, I'll send it to you. But, I mean, okay. Like, here's my thing is with... And this comes into, uh, like, all the Liberate stuff in the States. And, you know, there's, there's people grumbling here. And, and I get that. And it's we don't have a cohesive plan. Countries that came out with a cohesive plan and said, we're going to do this, this, and this, and they were honest and upfront, right? If our governments had come up and said, you know what? We need masks. We need ventilators. We need tests. You know, we need to shut down for a few weeks. We'll help you guys out. And it's going to take you know, whatever, maybe six weeks, and we can start ramping up production and everything will start going. And then we can you know ease out. And you might be inconvenienced a little bit. But you can go out and work and go out and shop. Things might take a little longer. If you told people that, I don't think, I mean, I think that's part of the frustration now. No one knows anything. Like, I mean, you have, I mean, okay, Trump, again, like, you know, here's our, here's my three-step plan. When two governors decided to go into phase one, he called them idiots. And I mean, they, they were implementing his plan. Like, yeah. <laughs> He's, he's so hilarious, but at the same time infuriating. Like. All right, another little politics thing. Okay, what is your favorite COVID conspiracy theory? <laughs> all right, there's so much out there, and they're all good. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's five G? <laughs> Oh yeah, five G is causing this, and there's actually people burning down five G towers in the UK. Oh my god! <laughs> it wasn't the UK this time, Bridget. It wasn't the US. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yay! <laughs> but yeah, all right. And then there's what the one uh, Bill Gates Bill is going to. Yeah, the the, the vaccine is going to have a microchip in it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, this is all the big. <laughs> 
look up with this stuff. I wish I could be a little bit more imaginative. Yeah. Uh, this is this is actually a serious thing that came out today. Uh, it's in the it's in the Huffington Post, which whatever you find, it's not the biggest newspaper or anything. She is a prof- whatever. She got a PhD in diversity studies. She teaches at Brooks College in Oxford, but she make, she's making it sound like she teaches at Oxford, but you know two different things. Um, but it's supposed to be a good school and whatever. She's saying, "I hope that a vaccine doesn't get." found out at oxford university i'd rather get find found out in china because if it gets found in britain it's going to promote racism and patriotism (laughs) and i'm not i'm not kidding you and this is not a conspiracy theory this is just following like woke thinking but yeah if the vaccines created in the uk at oxford it's going to show british exceptionalism it's going to be racist it's going to promote nationalism and racism blah 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 i'd prefer it to be made in china you know i'm pretty much happy with wherever it ends up being made (laughs) yeah i mean like honestly (laughs) i mean i'm in um i'm in some homeschooling groups you know and so some people and half of them are anti-vax so oh, I asked, like, you know, so what are you guys going to do when, if and when the COVID vaccine comes out? And they're like, oh, well, we're still not getting it. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, they're like, really hardcore. And I'm like, okay, please keep your kids at home. For I'm so happy you're homeschooling. Because, I mean, I can't believe that they, I'm like, you would not get the vaccine. I understand. No, I mean, I don't understand any of the <laughs> anti-vax stuff, but. They're like, it still might cause autism too. I'm like, oh, please. <laughs> Did you see that in the? It was in the Onion, I think. Uh, researchers have uh, are really are delaying the vaccine until they can figure out how to make it cause autism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that, like, there are so many parents that are really worried about that. <laughs> oh, but it's. But I mean, also. My mom, my, that's the that's the that's the shit that my mom spews all the time. Like, and it was okay. So back when we were when I first moved out of the house when I was like nineteen or something, um, she used to call me all the time, and she'd be like, she'd just go rattle on about these alternative medicine remedies or whatever, and it drove me crazy. And she did it to my brother too, and and we just were like, oh god can't stand it and we we have to do something about this because she's just crazy so we decided to give her a blog (laughs) don't call us write it on your blog the problem is she developed a following like she actually like blog readers she has a facebook page with hundreds of people on it (laughs) no it's all my fault like it's all my fault so, so recently and I say about a year, a year ago, I see her like posting all this anti-vax stuff. And I'm like, I contacted my brother. And I said, what do you think we should do? And he's like, I don't know. Let me think about it. And then it hit me that like I'm an admin on the Facebook page because she doesn't understand technology very well. And so I went in there and I said it to only show in English in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> <laughs> okay. She's not going to listen to this, right? <laughs> no, she's not. But if she did, she'd laugh. She'd laugh. Oh, but but she's asked me a few times. She's like, I'm not getting any likes. I'm like, 
but oh, it's it's like my mom. Um, I mean, she's on she's on like WhatsApp family groups, and the yeah. stuff the stuff that like like goes around because I mean, in South Asia already you already have like the area like your um, Ayurvedic medicine, which is basically like homeopathy, and it's just like so. There's all kinds of. God knows what. My mom's always been, oh, I got to, you know, drink some tea with turmeric and it's going to do this and that. And so, like, the stuff that's going on, like, on these WhatsApp groups about COVID and she, like, tells me these things. And I'm like, oh, no, mom. No, no, no. Don't. Like, just, like, yeah. Like, uh, but, yeah, it's 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 funny. Like, that. Those, like, that's what's scary about right now. And it's also scary when I, like, I think about government overreach, like, getting back to Canada, like Trudeau talking about, you know, we're going to ban misinformation. Like what's misinformation then is misinformation. Like what YouTube says, anything that speaks against the, you know, WHO is going to be taken off because mm-hmm. I'm sorry, WHO dropped the ball. I'm not saying they're colluding. I'm not saying they're conspiring. I'm not saying they did it on purpose, but they dropped the ball. Right. Mm-hmm. You should be able to say that, you know, yeah, you should be able to say that the virus came out of China. Mm-hmm. And you should, and okay, you should be able to speculate, not that they did it on purpose, not that they're making a bio up and whatever, but they have a lab there. Labs do study viruses. Were they studying it? Did it get released? I'm not saying it happened. I'm not saying it did. I'm I'm not proposing that whatsoever. I'm just saying you should be able to ask that, right? So Yeah, I think that the problem is, is, you're not going to stop people from from believing unfounded stuff no. by taking it off of Facebook and taking it off of YouTube because you're going to find other websites. There's going to be other places to find it. Like Dr. McCall is not going away anytime soon. Mm-hmm. How you do it is by teaching critical thought. And that is where secular education comes in. And that's why what we do is so important. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, I, I'm also like, you know, I'm concerned about government overreach. And I mean, I... You know, some of the arguments of, oh, my civil liberties, this and that. And it's like, okay, I get that. I get, I really don't want that taken away. But if people had acted a little bit more responsibly, mm-hmm. maybe you wouldn't. But then there's, I think there's stupid things on the other end. Like some of those churches in the States where they were sitting in their cars in the parking lots. Mm-hmm. They're in their goddamn cars. They're in the parking lots. They're not going near each other. Let them. They're figuring out a way yeah. to deal with it, right? Yeah. And, and it seems like a, a a good, you know, a happy medium. They're isolated. Like, I don't see the problem with that. Like, some guy on, on a lake by himself on a boat, like, getting a ticket. Like, what the hell is that? And yeah. He, there was, the other day, um, a friend of mine told me that her friend went to go visit her elderly mom, and they sat outside like social distancing, which I did the other day for my mom's birthday. And, um, and somebody called the cops on, on them. And like the other day I let my son go outside and play with his friend. And I, like I have explained over and over and over to him about social distancing. Don't touch the same things, Mm -hmm. you know, keep your distance, but you can ride bikes or whatever together. And so I let him go out to do that for a little while and he did okay. I was watching because I can see everything from up here. And um and and I was I, I was worried that somebody was gonna 
call the cops on me or something like that for just letting my kid play outside. And yeah, I do. I, th- I worry about that too. But at the same time, there's just idiots that oh, yeah. will not listen. And, and we can't, we can't take the chance of those people, you know, just the stupid decisions that they make overwhelming our hospital system. Like you just look at what's happening in New York today, this morning, I saw a comment on, they were talking about in Kelowna, they're going to be um, opening up some non-essential businesses as long as they can um, do social distancing inside or whatever. And this guy responded to it. He posted a comment saying, all the predictions were wrong. You see, we only have like 150 people in ICU right now, which is like, you know, 20% of our capacity in BC. They were all, all the predictions were wrong. And I'm like, dude, they weren't wrong. It's that what we're doing has been working. And if we change that, it may not. And like, all you have to do is look at other places where the, the hospital system has been overwhelmed and stuff like that. So it's people like that that fucking scare the hell out of me. I don't want my parents to die because some douchebag can't, you know. Oh, yeah, I know. And it's that's that's the part that pisses me off, is these people who, like, they're so... It's not even... We're not even... Here in Canada, we're not even missing anything all that important, right? We're not. Like... With the exception of people who have lost their jobs and are struggling to pay for things, which, you know, they're, they're getting money from the government now, probably not enough, but, you know, it's not, it's not so dire that, that we need to freak out and open everything up without taking proper precautions. I do like the model in, in Sweden, though, where they, like, I don't know if you've seen the videos going around of what they're doing. Yeah, but, okay... I've actually been following that and I've been following it. Like there's a site called one world data. It's yeah. a really good site for data. Now, if you look at Sweden, Denmark, Finland, and Norway, and I'm just comparing the Scandinavian countries because okay, Sweden's got the most, like the largest population of all of them, but they pretty much all went to lockdown at the same time. And then, especially if you look at Denmark, they started sh- reporting cases at the exact same time, like within a day or two. Mm-hmm. Um, Sweden has, uh, like, per million, it's far greater than those countries. It's got, yeah. uh, it's got, uh, f- I think it's got double of Denmark, or no, four times of Denmark, uh, like seven or eight times of Finland, three times of Norway. It's, a, I think it's the tenth highest in the world. Yeah, so. I don't know if you can say that's working. Okay, you compare it to the United States, but then in the United mm-hmm. States, if you compare by per million, then uh, Sweden's way up there. Sweden is per million the same as Canada. Canada's got t- uh, three times the population of Sweden, right? Yeah. The The Swedish system might work if you, like if they were wearing masks. Like, I think that's one of the biggest things is masks. And yeah. I think, and I think one of the biggest things is what Singapore, Hong Kong, Taiwan, and South Korea were doing. And that's, yes. and I think even China later on started doing this. Is like, you walk into a building, they take your temperature, you show any signs, they isolate you, they test you for flu, then they give you a CT scan. Then they, you know, like, if you get, if you, they test you for flu, you have it, go home, spend a few days at home, you got the flu. Then they, you'll give you like x ray CT scans all yeah. the way down, and then they test you for COVID. And so, yeah. 
if you can do that, if you could set up testing centers, if you can make sure you have masks available all the time, I, like, I still am unsure about that Swedish model. Like, if you look at the numbers today, uh, like yesterday, there was a huge spike uh, in mm-hmm. deaths and in cases in Sweden. And like it, it, yeah. go, it goes up for two days, it drops a little bit, then it goes up again for two days. So mm-hmm. is it really working? Whereas all the other three are just dropping. Yeah. Now it's a question of how do they open up? Yeah. They are they are in Denmark they're back at school. And um back they're they're opening up stuff. My mm-hmm. sister in law is is Danish and her nieces are back in school. Um but it's like like her her youngest niece is in kindergarten and she said that there's only like six or seven of them allowed into the kindergarten class at a time and they have like these like cages almost they're not like cages but they're like little fences little toddler fences so like there's like one for each little toddler (laughs) it's like what are they gaining from this like what are they gaining from this but there's a there's a school in the uk called uh michaela and it's supposed they they name it like the strictest school in the uk um but she, uh, like the the principal headmistress, whatever, she was talking about it, and she said, "She goes, you can't really social distance at school." And she goes, "Yes, you can do that in the classroom." She goes, "What are you going to do in the hallways? You, know, you have all those kids coming out of class at one time. You know, even if you like alternate somehow or other, you're still going to have a bunch of kids in the hallway at one time." And she's like, yeah. "She goes, you know, if you, she goes, you know, she says, I don't know the science, I don't know any of it. If I get direction, I'm going to go that way, but." we have to face realities and we have to speak about it honestly. She's like, you can't say like, okay, you're gonna have a hundred percent distancing at school. Cause you can't do it. Yeah. So. I'm wondering about like my, my friend that lives in Rwanda, he runs the Marriott there and they actually take the temperature of every person that, um, wants to get a room. And if it's over a certain amount, I don't know. I think she's only, it's only happened once, but they have like, up in place for that. I'm wondering if that's something schools can do, or is that just too much? Or would that just take too long to take the temperature of every student? No, I mean, I think it would. I think it would take a little bit of time, but I think you could manage it. Like, say, okay, school like show up at the same time, but school will start an hour later because you know every kid that's going in is you're going to get the temperature taken, and then so. You, you show up at nine instead of starting at nine, you start at 10 and instead of finishing at three, you finish at four or whatever, or it's a shorter school day. So you can go, you know, you, you can cut out like gym class, right? Or you can cut mm-hmm. out certain classes so you can have a shorter school day or something. I mean, there, there's, there's things to work out, but it's just, again, it comes back to like, do we have a plan? Like, and why aren't we being told stuff? And it's like, it, it's the frustration and I, I get why people are pissed off. I mean, I even get the stupid kids at spring break. You know, that's like teenagers or hormones are going. You got fight and flight. And in this case, fighting is flight. Like flight is fighting. But, you know, you're you're 19 or you're 20 and you don't, you know, you're horny and you want to go to spring break. <laughs> you know, you're, you're not going to think that you're going to go. <laughs> yeah. That was that was probably the hardest thing in the beginning of this was dealing with our teenage daughter. Um, oh, God. She's done, she's done so well. Like she just had a, there was just a couple of moments where it was like, like, how are you not understanding this? So you have to like remind yourself that this is a teenager, like her brain isn't fully formed yet. And like, 
Like we all made dumb decisions. She's just living in a time where her dumb decisions could be life or death, right? And right. we all we all did dumb stuff, but we yeah. weren't doing. <laughs> yeah, like there was one time my mom my mom texts me and she's like, "Where's Abby?" And I'm like, "I, I have no idea." And I thought she was downstairs. <laughs> she's like, "No, I think I just saw her in her friend's truck." And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> so I'm like, "Abby, where are you?" And she she lied. <laughs> she said, um, I'm walking somewhere to meet my friend. And I'm like, no, you're not. You're in her truck. <laughs> and so it was It was a bit of an issue, but she understood. It just was, like, the one mistake. But it was, in the beginning, like, she was, they were just going on spring break, right? Yeah. And she had plans to go to Vancouver because her mom lives in Vancouver. And, um, her mom got her Billie Eilish tickets and she had put down a deposit on a new tattoo that my parents paid for her for graduation. And she, like, she was so looking forward to it. And we told her that she had to cancel the tattoo appointment. She can't go to Vancouver. She's not going to Billie Eilish before any of that, before anything was shut down, before the Billie Eilish concert was canceled or anything. And so she didn't, you know, it was just immediate. Like why, why, you know, like anger and upset and, it was really difficult and it was making me pissed off with like Trudeau and everybody else because I was like, you need to shut these things down so that I don't have to be the bad guy. Like, can you just be the bad guy, Trudeau, please? <laughs> what do you think this is going to do for, I mean, like, I know you, like, you work a lot from home, Courtney, and I, I'm not sure about yourself, Bridget, but like, what do you think this is going to okay. do for things like that? Like, I was reading stuff about tech companies finding, like, or not even just tech companies, but companies in San Francisco. There was one guy, he's like, okay, I have about 400 employees. Uh, when they started doing like about a month of working from home, he's like, productivity is pretty much the same. Um, if we can streamline this a little bit better, I'll save $10 million a year in rent and like food. So why don't I just have people work I, from home? I would like to address that. I work from home, uh, same as support me. I do freelance work. But my husband, he is a tech guy. He works for a Fortune 500 company. Mm-hmm. And he's not working from home and he's able to do everything from home that, you know, he does at work. So I'm like, you would think more people would, it's going to save them millions of dollars for sure. Because they have like, they, they are real grandiose at this job. They like have like beer Friday. They, they, yeah, they buy. Are they hiring? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. meals and stuff like that and and I'm like but they're still you know my husband's working just, he actually works you know what you work longer when you're at home because you don't have that oh I get to get off at 5 o'clock you just take your time before you realize that you've worked an hour longer than so they're actually probably getting more out of their workers yeah say, working from home yeah I don't save the commute time like, like my husband's been working from home too and he will like it's only a 20 minute drive to work, but it's still like, you know, the routine of getting up yeah. and like getting ready to leave the house. And sometimes you have to get gas and pack your lunch and all that stuff. He, it's saving him tons of time. And like, he gets to get up and like sit around and do nothing for a while, which is not something he usually gets to do. So, um, yeah. but I do, I, I'm not going to lie. I do prefer when he goes to work. <laughs> 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 no two people can be together 24 yeah. no, I'm sorry I'm yeah. 
Okay, no, I mean, okay. There is all that, but so, I mean, if it does give people the option, like I think certain things are going to change. I mean, I even think because you're looking, you're seeing a lot from universities where they're saying they're not going to be able to open up in the fall, and they're thinking about going online until you know next fall or next spring, right? Um, I think this is going to open up a space for because I've heard a lot of professors and stuff. I see them a lot on Twitter, like complaining about the fact that yes, it's great they can teach, but you know. I don't like just standing in front of the blackboard. I like walking around. I like talking. I, you know, if I had a VR company right now, and I've said this to a few people, like I would start making a VR classroom. Yeah. And like you know, I'm sure there's people. Working yeah, there. I'm sure there is. And if if like if a university could offer you that, like okay, you know what? Instead of coming to a brick and mortar university and paying all this, it'll cost you like you know half the price and included as a VR a set of VR goggles. There you go. You yeah. Know, like, but yeah, but uh, there's another place the government's getting in the way. A lot of things is in the states, um, and I think this comes out of because of Title Nine. Uh, I could be wrong about that, but this is de- no, no. This is out of the um, American Disabilities Act. So if they're gonna have anything on video, they're supposed to have closed captions. All right. Yeah. Now, instead of saying, "Okay, we'll work with a stopgap. We'll get you the notes, and we'll get you like videos of the captions a day later or something," right? They stopped a lot of courses from being done because the teachers didn't have... Because it got shut so quickly. Teachers didn't have time to get stuff captioned. So they were stopping these things because of... Okay, I'm not... There's nothing against the American for Disabilities Act, right? Like, there's nothing against that. But you need a little bit of flexibility in a time like this. Like, you you just can't... Oh, no. And there were were administrators at universities saying, don't put out these... Because they were worried that they were going to lose funding. So they were stopping stuff to get out. Yeah. Like... Yeah, that's like that's the frustration that we're facing with the banks. Like we can't, I can't, like I just can't wrap my mind around the fact that they there's no flexibility at this time. Like we can't cross the border. We can't. Like why can't we all get on a Zoom call and I'll show you my passport? Like you okay, don't understand. That here is most of the banks are closed. Like I um, bank at Wells Fargo and there's only one. Or, or two in the state that are even like allowing people to come in. So, yeah. and they and their expectation is I have Courtney with me, and I I've opened I've done this for many nonprofits. It's always a hassle, but never like this. I'm just yeah. like, we're. I mean, ugh. you think they could just bend the rules a little bit for for this time, like. Non-profit. I mean, I, I, no. See, we're like, trying I, to help. Okay, th- th- I don't get this because it, it, it just again maybe it's because it's United States, different laws. I don't know. But when I was working overseas, so I'm in Kabul, and uh, I'd given my mom a general power of attorney because I need someone to look after some of my stuff in case, right? And then I wanted to invest some money, so I was buying the the place I'm living in now. I bought it, but I had to get her a specific power of attorney. I was able to get it signed on the base, notarized, send it to someone, and I got all that done on a base in Kabul for Christ's sakes. Like, I mean, yeah. you can't do something like that from like Canada to the states. Um, <laughs> I needed to get something notarized from my bank. They actually had closed all the bank, all the Wells Fargo for like a week, and I needed something for notarized from the financial institution that I had a bank account and I needed it immediately and I had to wait like a week and even then they it's appointments only and of course the appointments are going to be full 
you know, mm-hmm. there's only one. And oh, it's just so like I just yeah. Uh. yeah, this is my first venture into nonprofits in the US. And um but Gail, our our other co founder, she has experience doing the banking for nonprofits for in the that are based in the US. And she she's told us that it's just like it's like this when it's international and you have people in in all different countries and stuff like that, it's just impossible. It's absolutely impossible. She she she's been through it before and so now you add the pandemic and the fact that like because I could just travel I'm an hour away from the US right like I just go across the border there's a Wells Fargo right there and sit in there and sign whatever but (sighs) it's so frustrating we'll figure it out though I have have an idea so we'll (laughs) I mean, it's when people do um, donate, we do have a PayPal account. Um, yeah. Eventually, we put that account, but all the, you know, tax deductible donations to someone and, you know, memberships as well. Um, but yeah. crazy times, yep. sad times. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's a little. Yeah, I think they're all a little messed up. Look, I yeah. I don't want to keep you guys too long because I figure you got stuff to do. Yeah. You know, I not, not that all of our social calendars are all that busy, but uh, <laughs> if you have any uh, like last words, if you want to let people know where you can get in touch with, uh, get in touch with you, where they can find you, um, you know, donation links. And if you have any links or anything like that, just send them to me and I'll put them in the description. Okay. So, you go ahead. Oh, okay. I would just say, well, you can find us. We're really active, probably on Facebook the most. Um, what are we at? I a atheist and or just you know International Association of Atheists. Um, we have a Facebook page, internationalatheist.org. We're on Instagram, Twitter. Um, yeah, and you can find up. We're updating the page all the time with the initiatives that we eventually want to have and you know if you have one email us info at internationalatheist.org as well mm-hmm. I'm forgetting Courtney no that's it I think so um, just a note though we are always looking for um, good good volunteers people who are willing to actually like, commit some time to stuff and be reliable um, um, you just cut out for a sec would, would, if you if you want to say that again because I only got the last yeah, one. Yeah, we're always looking for reliable volunteers who want to help us with anything. Um, you know, if you have ideas, propose them. Whatever you want, you can email us at us at info at internationalatheist.org and we'll check that out. Cool. Well, thanks a lot, you guys, and thanks everyone for listening. Thanks for having us on. Thanks.